Welcome to Live the Fuel, where we fuel your health, business, and lifestyle. And now your host, Scott Mulvaney. Good day and good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another Live the Fuel show. So, quick reminder, make sure you're subscribing, make sure you're submitting reviews, uh, and you're definitely going to want to after today because I've got an exciting new guest co-host for you, ladies and gents. This gentleman, he's been around the block. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and give you a little hint. Some TV exposure here, bit of an author, fan of journaling, fan of helping you guys figure out how to improve some healthy habits. So let me give you a quick little background. That's right. This guy has a wearable device that uses electric shock. He's showing on video right now for the YouTube watchers to help you break some bad habits. And uh, I'm going to give you a little listeners a hint. You might recognize a logo. It looks like a lightning bolt. Maybe you happen to have seen him on a favorite show of mine, Shark Tank. The guy's got some edge, but quick little finish on him. He's plagued by attention and focus issues. Are you? Well, he was his entire life. Decided to invent this tech that we're talking about now uh, to help him regain control and break that bad, those bad habits that held him back. And the company is called Pavlock. And it's been featured on Colbert Report, another favorite show. Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, another favorite show. And Good Morning America, don't really watch it, just <laughs> being honest. So without further ado, Manish Sethi, sir, welcome to Live the Fuel Show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So one, I love the, the whole uh, lightning bolt thing because besides a little shock factor, but it just makes me think of obviously uh, the comic book characters, right? Yeah, Flash. A, a guy who happens to run a little quickly. But in this case... <laughs> Are you actually trying to get people to run quickly? Not really. Kind of uh, yeah. down. Oh, really? Well, well no, it's, it's, a, it's all about stimuli. It's not about making them run quickly. It's about making them more effective and most importantly, letting them get control of their own behavior. Um, what I noticed is that like, we're plagued by distractions and we live in a society where the world is out to get us. There's ads, there's food, there's um, everything is just trying to steal your attention. And so I kind of think of Pavlok as like a defender against distractions. I like it. Well, yeah, superhero like, concept. Yeah. Also, it's pretty cool because if you, I don't know if you can tell, but it's the letter P. It's flipped on this camera, I think. I did not even realize that. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Did you show that? Did you mention that on, the, on that show? I'm not sure. I, might I can't have. remember that. But that's, that's see, I, liked, I like it because I'm a marketing guy. I love it when, when people can pick up on these little subtle hints in the branding. When you could do stuff with symbols and letters. I think that's super cool. Yeah, and it's cool because the logo is pretty pretty cool. So, like just last week, um, someone sent us an email, and he has a tattoo of Pavlok now on his arm. Get out of here. Yeah, and so there's seven people in the world. Five of them are on the team. I've got one right here, and uh, two customers now have Pavlok tattoos. So it's nice. So are they logo. trying to earn like lifetime loyalty points or yeah, something? I, I sent him a free Pavlok and a free coaching call and stuff. Totally. I gotta say, if you could, if you got that kind of fan base, they're willing to. I mean, well, nowadays you can't technically permanently. I've I got a few tats myself. Yeah. We'll just go ahead and say it's you could permanently mark up your body in honor of something you care that much about. Yep. Clearly, you impacted that person's life. Yeah, definitely. Next time, I'm going to make my logo just be my face. <laughs> <laughs> now that's commitment, and trust that's me, I've seen commitment. I've seen some face tattoos, and <laughs> some some are good and some are bad. So exactly. And actually, for for the video watchers, I'm gonna go right into some screen sharing to help back it up. So again, ladies and gentlemen, Pavlok, P-A-V's and Victor, L-O-K. There's a famous history behind that name, ladies and gentlemen. And those of you who are regular listeners of the show, I'm a marketing buff, but I'm a huge psychology buff, and that's part of this backstory here, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my background was in psychology. I studied um, with 
Professor BJ Fogg at uh, the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab, where I learned a lot about human behavior and how to change habits. Uh, and so I was always really fascinated at how, how the human mind works and specifically how, um, how it's so easy to have ideas, but it's so hard to execute and different people work in different ways. Okay. Uh, and I noticed that like, so for the majority of people who are like finishers, um, when they have a task or something on their to-do list, they, they can often just do it. And when I was at Stanford, all the kids there were just like that. When they had an idea, they just did it. And I always felt like a failure because I would be unable to get any work done until the last, the last minute. Uh, I'd always get my paper done with two minutes of time left before it was due. And somehow I would get a similar grade to the people who spent you know, six months in the library. Mm. But what I should have thought of is that as a success. Instead, I thought of that as me being a failure. I'm with you, my friend. Yeah, it's really uh, I used to guys, the procrastination, you know. Yeah. But I, I looked at it as, for some reason, for me, I always looked at that as, yes, some people on the outside who didn't do that looked at you as, oh man, you're slacking or whatever. But I actually just knew that I'm good at crunch time. Like mm -hmm. I'm good at triggering that flow state, and I'm just boom, blinders are up, and I'm just I'm dialed in. So. Yeah, one of the big breakthroughs I had was that when I started going through all the habit literature and starting to try to follow the, the goals to like self improve and get more done. Oh, it was such bullshit. It's like, oh, uh, you need to take your goal and break it down into small concrete chunks and then oh, work chunky. on a small chunk each day until you systematically complete your habit. And I was like, this doesn't work. What works is, is when there's a deadline. I always get stuff done on the deadline. The secret is not to break down the task. The secret is to add more deadlines. Mm -hmm. The secret is to add more non-cheatable deadlines that add a negative reinforcer, a disincentive if I fail. I'm not motivated by success. I'm motivated by fear of loss. And I think that when um, you look at like the personality typing world, there's something called um, low conscientiousness and high conscientiousness, which is the act of follow through or do you get stuff done? Yep. In Myers-Briggs, it's called perceiver and judger. And um, people who are idea people who have low conscientiousness, who are perceivers, um, what, what I found is that we don't work in the way that society wants us to work, this factory state of execution. We work last minute deadlines. And, um, the, but the side effect is that we have, we have the, uh, while we are unable to focus, we have the world's best creativity. Mm -hmm. I found more and more that focus is the anti the antonym of creativity, that when you are focusing, you're turning off potential things you could do. Okay. And, and when you are being creative, you're thinking of potential things you could do. And that those who are focused are by definition uncreative. So have you ever heard of the term, because uh, obviously nowadays there's so many different psychological analyses. I mean, I, I'm a fan of, you heard of, uh, I bring up on the show all the time, StrengthsFinder 2.0 by Tom, Tom Rath. He uses psychological analysis in his uh, helping people find their strengths. And, but before I found him, I remember to this day, I still have spatial thinker as one of my results from a psychological analysis. So like me, I have the ability to like literally envision an entire storm and break it up into clouds and then funnel it down, so to speak, if that makes yep. any sense. So is that kind of fall in line with what you're describing? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not 100% sure. I don't want to um, nah. say that I, I know exactly what spatial thinking is in the context of personality typing. Um, it sounds like that you have a, an abstract methodology of, of visualizing the world. Yeah, like some people, they, get, they can only, like instantaneously, they focus mm -hmm. on one thing and they can't break away. I can break it out yeah, and, then, and then refocus. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, one thing that's interesting I've noticed more and more is that uh, perceivers or idea people like me have better peripheral vision. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah. that we, we like, whereas people who are, who are focused, like you have to like wave in their face to get their attention. So yeah, actually trying to, trying to break them off that path. It's like, no, I, come on, just think about this other idea. It, it does work with what you're thinking about. Yeah. Can you see that? <laughs> yeah. I actually use it a lot like in hiring. Cause um, you know, we have enough, I have enough ideas. I, I don't need to hire idea people. Mm-hmm. I need finishers. And so one of the, one of the things I would do when I was um, hiring is we would have like a glass door at the office we were at where the, where someone else would be interviewing them. Mm. And I would walk by and drop some books. And if they looked up, they didn't get the job because they were creative thinkers. Yeah. You could use peripheral vision as a, as an analog to, um, to finishing and starting. Wow. I I spent years doing hiring, firing, managing in the corporate space and never would have thought of that one. So that's a creative thinker for you, right? Okay. Um, but so I think it's pretty interesting. It's like, if you think of a normal person, right? Their goal would be, I want to stop using Facebook and get work done. So what would they do? They would probably turn off Facebook and get some work done. Or there's new browser blockers. You can block something. Install a browser blocker, something obvious, right? Whereas I'm like, well, what if I hire someone to sit down next to me and every time I go on Facebook, she slaps me in the face. Turn that into a blog post, use that to raise funding that makes me build a wearable device that'll shock me every time I go to Facebook. And six years later, I'm still on Facebook. So it's like, my theory is if I can fix and you my make money habits, with Facebook. It takes anybody's habits. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm trying to solve it for me. And I've noticed that like, and that's the best part of my company is that it's, it's really trying to solve my own problem. Um, and so it's really fun to be able to experiment and see what works on me. And the answers are so clear. Um, like if someone's trying to change their habits, there's some very fundamental um, things that they can do. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It sounds like a lot of your listeners are biohackers or self-improvement junkies. Got a busy. few. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I got my four different kinds of pairs of blue blocking glasses sitting here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah that'll, that'll, that'll I, I drink, I drink my bone broth. I drink fatty coffee. Uh, actually, this is my fatty coffee here and I always have a ton of water. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. So yeah, yeah. you're with me. Um, and especially for people like who are doing business work. Um, a lot of times it's really hard because you don't have a boss telling you what to do. Um, so you kind of need to motivate yourself and more importantly, like add clarity to your goals and make sure you're focused on the right metrics. Um, but there are some specific tactics. I'm not sure exactly, um, what you're interested in most, but like, I've noticed that we've broken up our habit change protocol into three different things. So we have one that's for forming good habits, one that's for breaking bad habits and one that's for helping people wake up early or on time. Oh, uh, the shot clock. Yeah. The shot clock. Yeah. Um, Cause I was on your products here. I'll do some screen sharing while you're explaining that again, because uh, cool. You, you originally started with just the wearable for, as you just hinted, before the waking up factor, the other two areas, right? I started I focused on, yeah, when we first launched it, it was going to be a forming good habits product. Mm-hmm. Um, rapidly, we discovered that our product was the best in the world, bar none, for breaking bad habits because mm-hmm. we approached the problem of bad habits in a very fundamentally different way. Um, and lastly, uh, we realized that, uh, but then we noticed that by far our most commonly used app was the uh, the waking up on time alarm clock. Hmm. And so it's been kind of a really fun thing to notice that different people have different habits and different habits are more utilized by our users. But one that is very clear to our users is um, waking up on time. Yeah. So a lot of people don't, they don't believe, a lot of people don't believe in bad habit cessation. A lot of people don't want to change their bad habits, but everybody understands an alarm clock that zaps you awake. That just seems to make sense to people. So this pretty quickly became one of our most uh, best-selling products. And the way we designed it is that uh, I wanted to make a product that has 0% chance of failure. So how do I make it so that 100% of people never snooze ever again? And that's, that's a big goal. It's a big goal. The, 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 I've noticed that when you start making obscenely large goals that you dedicate your life to, 
things start to fall into place because there's only one way to go, right? Okay. Um, so specifically, um, you probably want to hit the no, I don't feel lucky button right there. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, I like that. I, I, I've seen some bad uh, <laughs> web forms to get people to look at things and I, I do like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so for waking up, what we do is we start off with um, the, the product uh, tracks your sleep cycles. Mm -hmm. So you set a time you want to go to bed and you set a time you want to wake up. Okay. Uh, about 20 minutes or so before you wake up, we start tracking your uh, light sleep and we give you a, a gentle vibration in your lightest stage of sleep. Hmm. So actually the majority of users wake up fine with this. Um, now, if it, if you, if you keep, uh, if you don't wake up to that after about 30 seconds, it starts to make a loud noise. Okay. And after 30 seconds more, it gives you a zap. The zap wakes everybody up. It's like, uh, it's the one thing that people buy if they're like narcoleptic or have sleep disorders or just like nothing else works. Um, that like tends to be the product that people buy because people need to wake up on time for jobs and, and our product, product solves a problem. Well, we since we talk about health on this show, you're, you're talking about, you know, people, the sleeping habits issues, right? So sleep is have you a keystone habit. I, I, oh, one, one, one second. Let me just finish exactly. Yeah, how it works. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we make it so to turn off the alarm, they have to get out of bed and do five jumping jacks in order to turn off the alarm. Oh, so they get a light vibration and they have 30 seconds to jump out of bed and do jumping jacks. And what happens is that their brain rapidly gets trained to know that the vibration signals a zap is going to come. Okay. So for most of our users, after about two to three weeks, they rarely have to wear the device anymore. They, their brain has trained themselves into waking up at that time, basically alert. So we found that it actually helped people go from being night owls into naturally becoming morning people, which is one of my favorite use cases. Which is funny because there's a lot of people who have written that, oh, well, you know, you're either naturally, which I'm sure there's probably some biocoding there. Some yeah. people are natural morning people and natural evening people. And I've actually had genetic analysis done with a, a geneticist on this show and he analyzed my DNA and he said, you know, basically I biologically at the DNA level lean one way versus the other. But I agree with you. Everything can be reprogrammed even at the DNA level. Yeah. And it's more of a, it's like a brain level. So there's a circadian rhythm, which is your hormonal balances, right? Mm -hmm. But you know very well that human beings are not designed to be awake at 11 PM yet somehow with the invention of light bulbs, we are right. Yep. So therefore there are things that can change and psychology is not owned by hormones. Psychology is in the moment and hormones are a balance and circadian rhythms are a, a long-term thing. So mm -hmm. in the sense that you aren't going to be a morning person in the extent that your circadian rhythms are unlikely to change. Totally agree. But to the extent that you have to be tired, when you wake up every morning at 6 a.m., you don't have to be anything. If someone wakes up, wakes you up and pours water on your face, or if you have a flight to catch, somehow your brain knows. Yeah. So what we've done is we've been able to reprogram that moment. And it's very key. I'm not advocating to sleep less. I'm advocating to sleep earlier. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it's not like there are some people who operate better at different times naturally. But what we do is we help people who want to solve that problem wake up at the right time. And in the yeah. same vein, it's, like, it's not like we force you to wake up early. This is your programming, your own time in, right? Our goal is to make it so that once you wake up, you're going to wake up alert. You're not going to waste time. And you're going to have control over your own behavior. That's all. I agree with that, that value because just because you can wake up doesn't mean you're actually very, you know, as clear as you'd like to be, right? Yep. It, some, some people's wake-up routine, they need a habit, a habitual routine to help them get more awake faster. And maybe it is exactly. you know, burpees or, or jumping jacks. Yes. Yeah, and then so I've been noticing that more and more throughout the day, um, what, we, what I've been trying to do is kind of create a perfect day for every one of our users. And it starts off by identifying and defining specific moments of the day and tying them together with routines. 
So what we've done is we created this thing called the morning routine app. So I'll, I'll start off by talking about um, how this, uh, this is a forming good habits uh, product. Okay. So it's an app within our app. I'll give you a quick uh, oh. picture of it. So our app is like an, it's like an app store for habits. So, yeah. so this is Absolutely. our app and there, there's things like sleep, habit, routines. Now is that based off of your quiz? Uh, no, there is a quiz, but it's not based off of it. This is just, oh, okay. actually, yeah, it's not based off of it. Um, okay. You program in the habits you want. So one of the things is our morning routine section. Yeah. Here you can see, uh, let it load. Here you can see like a morning routine for tomorrow. Okay. So it basically says, um, I want to drink water. I want to meditate. I want to do 10 push-ups, and I want to write. Now that's all already built in as options for you to select or you just you program in your own. Okay. Uh, you customize your own and it has some built-in ones. Nice. But what we noticed is like when people signed up for our original morning routine app, they would program it in and then about 2% of the people would actually commit to doing it each day. Um, that sounds normal. Yeah. Right. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like if you're programming it in and you're in my app and you commit, so we have this thing called the commit button. And my goal with the company is to create a 100% adherence to any commitment that, it, that a human being makes. We have a green light bulb in our office in Boston that only turns on when 100% of our users have achieved 100% of their commitments over the last six months. Mm. And my life goal is to turn that green light bulb on and never let it die. And wow. in, in order to get there, you got to start thinking in different strategic ways. So specifically with morning routines, we started off by adding in a new section, which is a bet. We let people pre-commit to doing their morning routine by putting down between one and $10 a day. Every day that they fail, they Skin lose in the money. game. I like that. In the game. Yep. Every day that they fail, they lose one, they lose their bet. But every day that they succeed, they win money from the people who failed. Oh, yeah, interesting. So actually, yeah. So the average user can actually make money by waking up on time and doing push-ups. When did and you guys add that in? It's been in for about six months. Wow. How's and it going? The, it's great. So of the users who are in the bets, there's a very low churn. Almost all of them stick through with it because we make it a little annoying to exit. <laughs> and um, and they, uh, 85% of people do their morning routine every day, every single day. We have a gratitude journal. 85% of people do their gratitude journal every morning. So you guys are actually proving that the financial skin in the game does matter. Fear of loss gets you started. A potential for reward makes it stick. Mm. So what we do is we use negative reinforcement plus positive reinforcement all encapsulated in one betting pool in order to make it so that you have no chance of failure. You have to do your habit because your brain just won't let you fail. You're not going to like, if you, if, if I say, I'll give you five bucks to do pushups, maybe you'll do it. But if I take five bucks from you and I say, I'll only give it back to you. If you do pushups, you're going to be on the floor doing the work. Oh yeah. Fear of loss. Yeah. Fear of loss motivates more than potential for reward, but together it's a magic pill for habit change. Wow. Yeah. And obviously these are things you've had to like learn along your path. Cause I mean, how, how long ago did you actually legitimately kick Pavlock into gear? Uh, I founded the company in 2013 and we shipped yeah. it in 2015. So, yeah. So you got, even if you just space it up from 2015 to today, we're recording in 2019, it's taken you three, four years to keep growing it and you keep learning, which is what I like. You haven't become stagnant. No. Um, and I, I know something else you had mentioned before we started recording today is like everything you just hinted at, you guys built into your app. Um, and, and this is only six months old. Uh, now you have coaching on your website as well. Yeah. So what's that? I mean, is that based off of this now too? Is everything kind of like piggybacking off of each other? It's all the same. And it's all about how do I get myself to get off fucking Facebook and get some work done? <laughs> um, yeah. So basically we noticed that one thing happened. It's that like, once you buy the device, you're motivated and you want to use it. But once you, um, if we can get you to join a bet, it works really well. And we need, but we needed basically to take a step back. 
Uh, I have a model for habit change. Um, and specifically, there are three variables in this model. Okay. One is positive reinforcement, one is negative reinforcement, and the other part is accountability. So this betting pool only works because we know that you've done the habit. It doesn't work if you can cheat. Because you're tracking right? the data. Yeah, and in our case, yeah, exactly, because we're tracking the data. If, I, if, if it was like, uh, even, even the act of just saying, yes, I did something, is pretty powerful. The, the, the part that would fail is if we had no tracking whatsoever. So we didn't even ask you. We just gave you money. That doesn't make any sense, right? Mm -hmm. um, we have to have some sort of var variable tracking. So we have a bunch of different, th th that's getting sidetracked. What I realized very quickly is that the majority of users really do want to change their habits. But the majority of users have a lot of trouble just getting started or you know, getting used to putting it on um, mm -hmm. and mainly keeping themselves, um, uh, basically getting outside of themselves to have somebody else be their boss or be their accountability buddy. And so one thing that I noticed was for me, as the CEO of a habit change company and a CEO with pretty bad habits, I was spending a lot of my time dilly dallying, wasting time on Facebook, chatting on Messenger, and I really needed some. I needed a boss. Yeah. I needed a boss. And so when I first started the company, the idea came because I hired a girl to sit down next to me and slap me in the face every time I wasted time. So I said, how do I reintroduce that model, but actually helping our users succeed with a little so less our, violence? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's electric shock now, so violent hey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or not, I don't know. Hey, I'm uh, good with it. But so what we introduced was uh, Productive Entrepreneur, which was our, our first coaching program. Okay. Uh, we took a lot of our users who have uh, entrepreneurial businesses, I'd say about five to 10% of our users. We have 75,000 customers and about five to 10% of them have their own online business. Um, and of those users, I said, all right, what is the issue here? Well, the problem is that they don't have a boss who's holding them accountable. So we decided to come in and add a, and, and give them a coach. So the program works pretty cool. It's, um, you get a coach who, yeah, I don't know if this page is complete. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but, well, uh, I mean, but the beauty is you've got coaching already up on the toolbar, ladies and gentlemen. I'm screen sharing for the video watchers. And, and you have two options already underneath coaching as far as I was hinting at that quiz. I like yep. that. Uh, you can custom sculpt it basically to your needs. And then you've already got a section up for overviewing the coaching program yeah. already. All I got to do is finish that page. There you that's go. my coaching task this week. Uh, but, <laughs> but so basically the thing about coaching is that we have a, an amazing coach. Um, I met her because she was a, a habits coach. She was a, a, a business coach for other people and she had all of her clients using Pavlock already. So oh. I talked to her about how she was using it and I found out a lot of cool stuff. Um, but what we did is we cre basically created a program where she kind of breaks down your personality, finds out who you are, uh, identifies the, like, the ultimate goals you have for your like, core values, but most importantly, breaks that into specific habits that you want to build and specific tasks that you want to achieve each day. So the way it works is that you have a weekly phone call and with your habit coach, you break down the habits that you promise to commit to over the next week or two. And we start off with a morning routine that you kind of layer. So you wake up and drink a glass of water. Then the next week you drink a glass of water and do five push-ups. And then the next week you're going to drink a glass of water, do five push-ups, and do, uh, and meditate. And suddenly, you know, 12 weeks later, you have a morning routine of the gods right? You're waking up and exercising, drinking water, eating green salads, getting, in, uh, getting a run in, and it all becomes natural with the, the habits. But, but then the, the second layer on this is, uh, there's a quote, um, I think it's, um, what's his name? Uh, Goldman, uh, I don't know, some guy. He said, uh, he said um, there's this like old aphorism that someone said, hey, sir, I have a, a list of how to be successful. Um, if this is truly the list of how to be successful, you need to write me a check for $25,000. And he hands the guy this piece of paper, this envelope, and he opens it up. 
And immediately the guy writes a check for him and hands him the $25,000. And what it said was, before you go to bed, write down the things you're going to do tomorrow and then do them. And that was it. <laughs> I was always very motivated by that story. Obviously, it's apocryphal and it probably not, didn't happen. But there, there is some serious truth in pre-committing to tasks you'll do tomorrow and next week. And then actually I've used doing. it. I've used it. Yeah, it's yeah. so simple. So what it's we do like is you're either an evening journaler or a morning journaler. But either way, like, just pause and take that time. So. Plan your day ahead of time and then do it, which mm -hmm. is the, pro the part that entrepreneurs don't do. They don't do it. They write down their list, but then they just don't do it. Two common terms. If you listen to a lot of podcasts or you read a lot of books, I'm sure you've heard them. Uh, the common entrepreneurial space is, uh, uh, you know, what's that? Crazy squirrel syndrome or whatever, or mm -hmm. it's shiny, shiny ball syndrome, right? Like, oh, there's yeah. something shiny moving around. Like, oh, and you're distracted, right? So that's exactly what you're referring to. Entrepreneurs, they use that as a crutch or an excuse. Like, oh, I got so much going on. I got so much going on, bullshit. You don't yeah. have shit going like, come on. Come on, man. Be accountable. Like, Own your do shit. The things you need to do, and then you do them, and then it's over. Stop being so reactive if you want to be successful. Yeah. So we created this little basic app. Uh, this one's it. different? Yeah, it's inside of the app. It's, it's, okay. uh, we have a bunch of mini apps. This is our coaching app. Okay. So basically all it is is you and your coach have a call each week, and your coach yeah. assigns you your habit goals. Then each day before you go to bed, you fill out three things you're going to do. And then you, then the next day you do them. Okay. If you don't do it, your coach starts by messaging you, starts by calling you, then beeps you and then shocks you. And then eventually they can do things like turn off your phone. Oh, so they, they also get direct access into your, uh, your wristband. Exactly. Oh. Yeah. Not just wristband, but also laptop. So like if you're wasting too much time, we shut off your internet. Get out of here. Yeah. If you're wasting too much time, we, we, uh, we charge you money and donate it to an anti-charity. So I'm things like that. that. And if you do successful, if you're successful, you win back money from the, the price you paid. So it's wow. like a, it's a system where we try to uh, incentivize you to be aligned with your actual goal. Your coach isn't making money unless everybody wins. Okay. And, um, and so what we found is that the results are so ridiculously simple and so ridiculously good. So we have like one user uh, who he, he, he ran like a, like a half a million dollars or something uh, consultancy. And he found that he was spending his whole, his whole time doing responsive, reactive work. He was like listening to what his clients needed or his like his employees needed and doing blah, 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 blah. But really it was like a lack of clarity in doing and executing upon the important tasks. Okay. So, obvious. so we said, all right, what are you going to do instead? He said, all right, I'm going to start by waking up at 7am and I'm going to do one Pomodoro before eight. So I'm going to sit down and focus on one of my three tasks in the morning. So okay. within, within uh, two months, he was getting 100% of his work done by 9 a.m. He would get into the office and he would already have completed everything he used to do because it was direct, segmented, focused work before everybody else started bringing on the responsiveness. So then we added on, why don't you start doing outbound sales? Rather than you just being the guy managing your employees, why don't you focus on actually selling your product to higher value customers? Hmm. And within one month after that, so within the first 90 days of his program, he was done with his work by, by 9 a.m., in work at 9 a.m. and he closed his first two six-figure deals, doubling his business in 90 days. As and the owner. As the owner. Because instead of him like waiting for his team to get in and responding to some emails, he was like, I'm gonna book some calls, I'm gonna make some calls, and I'm gonna close these goddamn calls. Okay. And so those results have been like pretty consistent with our users, which is take a step back, plan out how to be less reactive and more proactive, and be proactive about the right things that make the biggest differences in your businesses, and in most, most cases, we tend to find it being sales calls. Um, sales calls tend to be a very, very consistent pattern that really drives revenue in a lot of these service-based businesses. Um, so by getting people to focus on that one key metric and then being reminded about it over and over and over again, 
by your coach makes people actually do this work and rapidly change. So we've had some really great results and I've been really proud of watching our customers succeed. And it's been, yeah. a, it's been a great ride. I love it. I'm bringing up some images from your uh, Indiegogo campaign and everything else. Cause it's like, it's ladies and gentlemen, this isn't hard to find anything about Pavlock. All you gotta do is Google it. Like I always, I just clicked on Google images. Hey, let me zoom back out actually on the screen share. Yeah. Like you can't miss plenty of information. <laughs> <laughs> you guys have been busy. <laughs> We've been busy. It's been a, it's been a fun ride and it, it's, you know, I'd love to talk about inventory and stuff, but it's, it's so much fun to build a business that has number one, no competitors. Um, but in a space that like is be, like, we, we always, we have this core value, which is never attack, always attach. Hmm. So we try not to compete with anybody, but we try to work with other people. So yeah. like, we're not trying to be the only coach. We're not trying to be the, like, for example, this thing is completely white labelable. So like, we're looking at having, you know, specific coaches, um, not compete with us. The coaching market they, keeps growing. We rebrand it for them. So now they have their own coaching wearable, you know? I um, like that. Yeah. And in all cases, it's about, um, it's been really fun because it's like, no one's ever built something like this. And have you ever read zero to one? That yeah. Book by Peter Thiel? Oh, okay. that's, that's, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, there's a really I good see. video that, um, Ashton Kutcher of all people, he describes the book and he's like, you know, there's like the zero to one business. Most businesses are one to 1.1 where it's like, let's build a fat, better mousetrap. Let's make a service that's slightly better. And they're like, they're cool, but there's a lot of competition, but there are some founders that build these zero to one businesses that come out of nowhere and change everything. And the way it always happens is that the, the inventor or the, um, the founders have some, some kind of intuition that there's a fundamental flaw in a sector and okay. that the sector is approaching a problem the wrong way. And that if instead they approached it a different way, they actually discover that there's an entire pasture of green grass that is completely untouched that anybody can build into, but they have infinite time to build into it because no one's even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. A good example would be vaccines, right? Like uh, before vaccines, there's like, you're, we're gonna bloodlet. This is how we're gonna fix the problem. And one guy's like, what if I just took a syringe? All your friends are dying of smallpox. I'm gonna inject a little bit of the smallpox into your kid, just a little bit. I promise yeah. it's gonna help. That's kind of crazy, right? But it works. It's crazy. Yeah, imagine that sales pitch, right? Um, and then like another example I think is specifically through medicine. I think that right now we've solved a lot of problems towards any kind of uh, disease or any kind of problem that's, but we haven't solved the human problem, which is that 90%, like 70% of deaths now are, are um, lifestyle diseases, mm -hmm. like heart disease or obesity. And we, there we problems a lot that are, about that on this show. Yeah. Right. And so it's stupid that people are trying to solve that problem through positive reinforcement and just medicine. It doesn't work. Yeah. You, There's only so many memes you can get on your social media to motivate you to do things. So at some point you got to get somebody to do it. And you know what always gets people to do it? Fucking electric shock. Yeah. Right. So by, by, by me approaching the problem in a different way, it's been really fun because like it's been five years, dude, six years now, and no one is building a competitive shock device. And it's crazy to me how good and I like, I'm actually oh. surprised to hear that. I could have sworn somebody would try and knock you off by now. You think so, right? And maybe somebody, maybe somebody listening to this call will. But I would, I would, I would guess that it would be cheaper for them to just, just white, white label products because yeah. I'll sell it to you basically at cost, and we can work on this together, right? So anyway, getting back to just to close up the coaching point because yeah. possibly your listeners are interested. Um, we have two programs. One is a, a habit coaching, and one is entrepreneurial coaching. So entrepreneurial coaching is one on one. We basically bring you, uh, you, you work with our coach. They do exactly what I just told you. Make sure you get stuff done. Um, and, it, and if you're interested in, in that, just head over to pavlot.com, shoot me an email, put my email address down there. Yeah. Uh, 
and we can talk about that. And then the second thing we have is habit coaching. So that's for helping people we'll with put all that in the show notes on the website for you. Awesome. So yeah. Um, and the second thing is, um, is, uh, habit coaching. So we help you with either a specific habit or kind of like your like life coaching, good habits in general. Um, specifically we help people quit addictions or bad habits. So if you're trying to quit smoking or quit nail biting, quit negative thoughts, uh, we really help you with those massive problems. Um, and then if you're, uh, and then on top of that, if you're interested, we help you with the rest of it. So it starts to kind of glide into waking up early, doing healthy habits, getting fit. So those are our two programs that are coaching, um, and both come with the Pavlock. Of course you can just buy the hardware as well um, and do it, on, do it on your own. So I mean, there's all different types of people. Like there's some self-starters that they'll actually order the product. But to your point earlier in the show, people spend the money, they put the skin in the game, but then there's still that lack of follow through. Like yeah. a buddy of mine does that. He puts online trainings up there all the time. And he notices that the more people spend, the, the better uh, consumption rate he sees. He's got it's, people who buy streams for like 150 bucks, 200 bucks, and they never log in. And never log in. Never. It's like, what, you just, you just flush in 200 bucks. You feel good because you took action and you bought the training. Yeah. But you got to do the training. There is an abysmal less than 4% follow through rate on day two yeah. courses. Day two. Well, that's where I'm seeing this plugging in for your entrepreneurial training thing is because there's so many people trying to become part-time hustle, side hustle, part-time entrepreneurs. And I see them because I go to events and I go to training events and I go to all these personal events and I see repeat people and they haven't done anything yet. There's a good buddy of mine. I speak at podcasting conferences and he still hasn't launched a show. I've seen him three years in a row now yeah. and he's got an amazing brand, wants to give back to veterans. He's a former vet. And I'm like, dude, your voice, you have something to share. You keep spending money on training and, and this and you still haven't just plugged the microphone in and hit record. It's funny how at the end of the day, people just don't do the one thing that matters. And that's the whole core of our entrepreneurial coaching, which is just like, stop being a little bitch. Yeah. Do the one thing that matters, make it a habit. And like, and it's so fast, like, especially when you're talking about sales calls, it's so funny how like when you take any, any business, right? Most businesses drive, uh, I'm not going to say most businesses, but like a lot of online businesses, especially service driven businesses are closed on the phone and, mm -hmm. and no, nothing else works to convert, right? Like you can sell an ebook at 20 bucks maybe, but when you're talking about a product that costs more than a thousand dollars a month, you need to be on the phone. And when we take people who are just resistant to sales calls and get them to do more sales calls, their business doesn't one X doesn't two X it like 10 X's in yeah. weeks. And so like, that's kind of like what we try to break it down to. How do we identify that core, that core issue and force you to do it? Dude, I, I, one of your salespeople needs to literally private label that component and sell it to Grant Cardone, Mr. 10X himself. <laughs> exactly. It should be a, be electrified 10X and the X yeah. lightning bolts or something. Exactly. He's is Mr. 10X and he's and a sales you know, professional. You don't sell more than he's going to just fucking parachute down yeah. into your house and smash you in the head. <laughs> I, th I, th I think he just, yeah, he just skydived in this past yeah, week. He skydived to his conference. And I was like, all right, bro. I mean, I'm a skydiver. I like it. I like I it. it. Um, <laughs> but but it, that, it's exactly what you're saying. I'm a sales and marketing professional. People are like, oh, well, I didn't close that deal. I'm like, how many times did you follow up with them? Oh, like three times. I'm like, dude, some of the biggest sales could take a year, it yeah. could take 10 to 15 follow-ups. Not every deal is three. three. 
getting someone to do three is so ridiculous. Like the most people do one email and never follow up. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And I mean, like, I mean, and I'm, I'm not trying to judge other people cause I'm exactly like that. Like that's my personality We're too. I'm team. very right. But that's like, at least I'm trying to solve this problem by create, but of course in, in, in my own special way, which is I'm going to solve it for everybody else first before I fix myself. Because until I fix everybody else, I'm not broken yet. <laughs> yeah, but then again, one thing I appreciate about you and your brand is that you are using yourself as your own, you know, yeah. N one experiment. Like guys, like I, I suffer from this. I'm not alone. I mean, you're, yeah. you're not alone. I, founder. Founder. I, I need this help as much as everybody. And I'm very open about my own problems and my own qualms. And I often share my, my, uh, my own computer usage or my rescue time scores and all that stuff. See, and I love that. Transparency builds powerful branding. It does. It does. It's interesting. It's interesting to watch it happen. Um, it's almost like I'm watching this company run because it's very clear to me that there is a path that we are going to achieve. Like there is no way in which we fail. And so watching it unfold, but like the, the problems that it's almost like watching like a hero's journey um, to, to sound ridiculously stuck up and conceited. But, uh, <laughs> roll with it, man. Roll with it. Because <laughs> like, it's fun to watch because it's like, all right, here's our goal. Here's where we're going. We know exactly, like I know exactly how to scale from $10 million to $100 million, right? But getting to 10 is actually really, really hard. And so, and uh, to get there, especially with an inventory driven business, you got to drive through like these massive problems. And so watching the problems unfold and then watching them be overcome is kind of fun because, because I know where we're going. I know that this is what I'm doing for the rest of my life. And so there is no chance of failure because that's what I do. Um, but so it's kind of fun to watch it happen because it's really like other people couldn't conceive of inventory businesses, for example, or running out of cash because you didn't buy enough, uh, because you didn't buy it because you created a new product but didn't have stock and stuff like that. Like it happens. And so I love telling the stories about our failures almost more than I love telling our stories about successes because I don't think people understand that failure is not a failure unless you quit. Yep. And um, in fact, like powerful things you learn are from mistakes and failures. Yeah. It's magic to watch it happen. And um, more people should know that like you got to like um, to die, like uh, lean into the discomfort stuff that makes you afraid and stuff that makes you feel uncomfortable is almost always exactly what you should be doing. Yep. And so like, once you like rewire that in your mind and stop trying to search for comfort and instead search for discomfort, you start to shift. I mean, I think probably the majority of your listeners kind of understand this by being biohackers. They're probably weird around their friends. They're probably doing stuff that feels a little uncomfortable, but they thrive on it. Um, but the people that are set off by that stuff are the ones who are the most afraid. Ignore what they say. You know, it's okay. To, it's okay to be a little weird. Okay. Yeah. That's what entrepreneurs I moved, are. I just moved my company down to Medellin, Colombia, which is where I am right now. Awesome. And the fear that comes from my friends and family when I talk about the fact that I live in Colombia is so funny because they're like, oh my God, like, aren't people dying there? Like, isn't, like, isn't Escobar and all of his cocaine dealers killing people? And I'm like, Thank God you're afraid of it because I don't want the shitty American tourists no. here. I love the fact that this is a low price city that has some of the best quality talent I've ever seen with some of the smartest entrepreneurs I've ever met in the world. And with like the most beautiful city of eternal spring, perfect weather, stay out, you know, yeah. let me, let me have this city. Uh, <laughs> I'm here in an episode with a guy. He's a, he's a smart, smart branding marketing. Uh, he works out of Thailand. Um, exactly. You know, he, he was born in Poland, but grew up here in the U S and then, works overseas in Thailand. He's like, he loves the work ethic and the costs to run a company are better. So yeah. Yeah. But he's American. You know, so. what's, uh, what's his name? Uh, Tom uh, Leibelt, uh, L-I-B-E-L-T. Yeah. Wow. Tom Leibelt. So, um, and actually real quick, cause I know we want to respect your time. Mm -hmm. I want to remind people that uh, like your bro, 
you're a bit of an author too, right? Yeah, I've written a few books. Um, the book you're looking at right now is actually from a bet, funny story. So I wrote six books when I was young, uh, under 21. Um, I wrote a book called Game Programming for Teens. I mm -hmm. used to be a video game programmer in my uh, early teens. And uh, this book became an international bestseller. It became actually a textbook in Poland of all places. Um, so every kid from 2005 till 2010 who went through high school in Warsaw read my book on video game programming. Um, and so I wrote a bunch of books on computer stuff before I got into college and before I started Pavlock. Um, mm. But what you're looking at right now is actually another funny, uh, it's very relevant to what we're talking about now. Um, about, a, about a year ago, so you're looking at a book called 53 Things I've Learned in 30 Years on Planet Earth. And uh, I made a bet about a year ago with a friend of mine, David Cadavy. He's an author. Um, and he teaches people how to write. And I was sitting at dinner with him here in Medellin. And I said, uh, I said, I, I'm doing, um, I have a coach and my coach is holding me accountable to doing stuff. And um, he's like, well, why don't we make a bet? And I was like, what's the bet? He's like, you're going to publish a Kindle book within 24 hours. And I was <laughs> like, I'm in. 24 hours later, 23 hours and 37 minutes later, I had published my first book on the Kindle store, um, mm. had written 10,000 words about it. And you're looking at it right now. It was my first Kindle book and, you know, it's got- That's hustle because I, I, I haven't launched my book yet and I, I did it. I actually didn't even write mine. I joke around past episodes. I just finished it a, few, a couple months ago. I'm just, I'm just in editing and I'm going to self-publish. But, uh, you know, 30,000 words, never wrote a book before, but I didn't write it. I did a voice transcription. I made myself commit daily a certain time slot. I, don't, I wasn't wearing your wearable, but- uh, mm -hmm. And there was days where I probably could have used a good shock to, uh, to voice transcribe my book while I was traveling. So I just used an artificial intelligence uh, voice transcription. And then I just transposed it into a text file, loaded in the word, boom, you know, do a little. Done. Yeah. So why, people why are like, wait, your it? book's done? I'm like, yeah, I just got to finish all the polishing. But yeah. Yeah, people make it out to be a lot harder than it has to be. And really it's like, especially these days, it's not like books are going to be like, read by an agent you know it's not like you have to make it's just like i can self publish on amazon out. like you did done in 24 hours it's stupid to not do it in 24 hours yeah so it's like yeah I, I feel like um people don't make large enough goals with enough disincentives it's so simple add a bet if there's one thing i want people to take away from this call oh here we it's, go if there's one thing i want people to take away from this call it's talk to us about coaching but uh, <laughs> if there's one other thing that I want people to talk to take away from this call, it's the power of bets. And I would love it if you email me or talk to your loved one or friend, but I'm online to accept these bets as well. I'll take your fucking money. Uh, but what <laughs> this is make we a small would. bet. Like I will bet $20 that tomorrow morning I will write a hundred words in my journal. Something simple that it's really easy to succeed, really hard to fail. Just make that bet, but just do it. And watch the voice in your head change. Watch when you wake up tomorrow morning and your brain goes from, uh, I don't know, I'm not gonna do it today, I got stuff to do. It goes to, I'm not gonna lose that fucking bet. Yeah. I'm not gonna lose. It just changes. And if you form the habit of making bets with people about activities you'll do, you will change your life in a magical way. And it doesn't take much time and you'll almost never lose the bet. I guarantee it. Especially if you're in any kind of accountability group or an accountability relationship with somebody else, I, I like that. Absolutely. Like, yeah, we're trying. To, we're trying to create it because of the we're not we're, we're not designed to be human beings are not designed to be alone. We're designed to be social animals that work with other people. And until very recently, there was no ability to be alone. You, you until phones were invented, like you know, 35 years ago, 40 years ago, you were always with other people, and oh you always God. had things to do. And so now we live in this magical world where we can do anything, and because of that, we do nothing. 
And the secret is to add non-cheatable uh, non -cheatable accountability and negative reinforcers in order to completely massively shift your behavior. And it really only takes a day, it only takes a second. Once you make, the, the most powerful bet I ever made, ever, was a bet with, my, with Caleb, who you met, my assistant, where I made a bet that before I went to bed, I would write down three things I would do tomorrow and that the bet would auto-recur forever. And once I made that one bet, the life is, my life has completely changed. Hmm. One moment, one second, one bet, forever it's changed because of the auto-recurringness of it. Wow. And so that small act, I'm not saying you should start off with a humongous bet like that, but I mean, there's power in auto-recurring and we can talk about that another time. Mm -hmm. But the, the power of just a small bet with a friend, please, if you're listening to this, do it, try it out, shoot me an email with exactly what happened, you know, I'll, give, I'll do a giveaway. So anybody who shoots me an email, um, tell me about a bet they made. Uh, just tell me what happened and uh, one person will win a free Pavlock. So shoot me an email at Manish at Pavlock.com, M-A-N-E-E-S-H at P-A-V-L-O-K.com with a subject line, I made a bet. That's it. I love that. Well, I mean, it's funny because actually I'll do a little screen sharing there just so people can actually see it on the video. I got it right here. Um, I love Trello. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, ladies and gentlemen, see, normally I have, I ask you guys as the guest co-host to give us like some closing words, some important final message. And I think you crushed it with, you know, adding a bet, whether it's to yourself or with an accountability partner, friend, family member, et cetera. Um, but actually on that note, was there anything else you wanted to add to that? Uh, no, I think that if you guys made a bet and if you're interested in coaching, shoot me an email as well. Those are the two things I wanted to mention. Yeah. And I love the fact you've tapped into coaching. Uh, so because that's, there's a huge market there and I think a lot of coaches are missing this little extra physical component yeah. because they make people all, feel all, good, these, but they don't. all these online coaches, you can't physically touch your client or help impact them. This can. Exactly. I love it. Well, listen, hang tight. I want to give you a proper goodbye off the air. So ladies and gentlemen, he just gave you guys a call to action. Okay. If you're going to do this and you're going to own it, make sure you email him Manish at Pavlock.com. Again, all this stuff will be in the, in the actual show notes. Uh, I don't know what else to say, ladies and gentlemen, you know, you might want to embrace a little electric shock therapy in a positive way. I could sum it up that way too, because I've used it and it's actually quite effective. So anyway, thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. We're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Manish totally did that today. And again, if you're at all inquiring, go back to the show notes on livethefuel.com. I'll have all the details there. Or just when you hear this, go to Pavlok, P-A-V-L-O-K.com. Check it out. Psychology is real. This is real. Trust me, I don't have a P, I don't need a PhD to reinforce this. I've used it. So thanks for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. Again, we're here to fuel your health, your business, your lifestyle. Pavlock.com. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Thank you for subscribing to Live the Fuel. Stay connected on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Live the Fuel. And remember, you too can live the fuel. So please visit us at livethefuel.com.